And it, basically we've been talking about giving, about resources, but also like, you know, the idea that we were made to be givers. Yesterday I was, I did a wedding yesterday and uh, God just began to drop some thoughts into me during the day and, and uh, you know, love really is about giving, isn't it? You know, so often, like I was thinking about in a marriage terms, you know, there's, there's, they say in a, a good marriage has give and take, right? You've got, and God began to just stop me on that when he says, no, a good marriage isn't give or take. A good marriage is give and give. <laughs> like if both parties are givers, we end up with an abundance, right? I love the, I love that feeling, don't you? I love, I love to give, and I also like it when other people give, and that feels good. A couple of weeks ago, well, actually, I think it was a couple of months ago now, Jody and I had decided to go on a date. And we, every once in a while, four kids, four outgoing, gregarious, 17 years this week. That's right. Uh, we, thank you. We, uh, it's in my calendar, I remember. I'm not one of those husbands. <laughs> <laughs> but we, we, we decided to go, every once in a while we'll go on a date. So I think we went to a movie, and we just, you know, got, wanted to get away from the kids. Now, I don't know if your kids are like my kids, but they aren't the best at keeping the house clean and doing their chores without being told. I'm sure most of you, when you were children, you did all your chores without being told, and your rooms were clean, and everything was hunky-dory, right? So have you ever heard of the five love languages? Okay. There's a book called The Five Love Languages. I highly recommend it, actually, if you haven't read it. And it just talks about how different people receive love in different ways. So some of them are, are gifts. Some people receive, when, some, when you give someone a, a gift, oh, that's just love. Some people, it's, uh, it's time, you know, like in terms of if you spend time with someone. Other people, it's words of affirmation. You know, if you speak. Jody's primary love gift is acts of service. So, like, if I sweep the floors and make everything pretty in a certain area, and she comes down and notices, she usually starts crying. You know, like, that, she, that's love to her. So we went on this date, and my kids had, had uh, I don't know if we had even said anything or not. I don't remember. But we went on this date. We go to the movie. We come back, and the kids had totally cleaned the house. I mean, swept the floors and mopped and put everything away, and the counters were clean. There was no dirty dishes in the thing. I mean, it was like, I mean, I, I wouldn't have been surprised if they'd have washed the dog and the cat and the whole thing. Like, I, I wouldn't have been surprised if they'd have done it. But they come, and they're just standing there, like, with their shoulders back, like, hey. And mom comes in, and she just starts weeping. You know, like, she can't believe it. And, and I'm sitting there, I'm verklempt. I'm like, man, you guys are amazing, and I'm going to use you in a sermon illustration someday. <laughs> but I, I remember that feeling of, like, this is what, they didn't do it in money, but this was generosity. They took their time and their effort, and they totally blessed mom and I. I mean, we went to bed that night. We are laying in bed, and we're just like, we have the greatest kids ever. This is so awesome. <laughs> Please, Lord, let it happen tomorrow too, you know. <laughs> yeah, every day. Well, you know, we, yeah, we're still praying on that one. But, <laughs> but I remember feeling, you know, we've been talking about kingdom generosity, and it has a lot to do with money because money is a big part of our lives. I get it. But do you also realize that kingdom generosity is really a mindset 
It's a heart issue. And it's the thing where we say, Lord, I, use me to bless somebody else. Right? Use me either with my words or my actions or my money or, you know, buying groceries with somebody. You know, how many of you ever done that thing where you, you know somebody's in need and you buy a bunch of groceries and you take it to their door and you ding dong and then you run away? Has anybody, have you guys ever done this? <laughs> you should do it this week. You should find somebody that needs a little help and take a big thing of groceries, sneak up to their house, put it on the doorstep, ring the doorbell, and run away and hide in the bushes and giggle. <laughs> you know, it's, it's just really fun. Yeah, well, yeah, you know. It's like ding-dong ditch, but in a kingdom generosity kind of way, you know. As we've been saying, one of the key phrases that, we, that we've talked about and we want to just highlight every, every week is this, that God wants to change. I want to propose to you today that God wants to change our world through the generosity of his sons and daughters. See, in the same way that that my kids were blessed by doing this, this awesome love gift for their mom and I. You know, mom and I felt love. Like we were just, you know, they're kind of verklempt in the whole thing. It felt so good. And I believe that God wants to use each and every one of us each and every day, every week, every month, every year of our lives. Because it does feel good. We're wired this way. Right? In, the, in, the, in the wedding yesterday, in my sermon, I had this, this thought again was, you know, the reason that we can love other people and the reason we can be kind and generous is because we have planted inside of each and every one of us the seed of God. Like he's planted a little bit of him in us, right? I think it's in Ecclesiastes that says that eternity, God has put eternity in the hearts of man. Like the eternal, the divine. Even, in, you know, again in Genesis it talks about that God created us in his image, and what does it say about God and love? It says, for God so loved the world that he gave his only son. I mean, that's crazy love. We're going to look at that a little bit more as we get going here today. But this idea that kingdom generosity is how we are wired. And I believe with all my heart that God wants to change our world one relationship, one thought, one action, one giving at a time. And I believe this, that the kingdom is not I mean, I think rallies and crusades and a lot of people coming to Christ are really fun. But I like the whole, today, Lord, use me. How do you want to use my money today? How do you want to use my time, my passion, my energy? And I would just encourage you this. If you're struggling with depression, if you're struggling with being down or melancholy and these kind of things, start giving. I am not kidding you. It will snap you out of depression so fast when you start to give to someone else. When you start to say, quit woeing me and take it and say, I'm going to sow instead of woe, let's sow. <laughs> Amen? Instead of woe, let's sow. Sow the seed. Sow the giving. Begin to do something that you haven't done before. You know, and, and it can start with simple things like thanking someone for being awesome. Oh, this is so fun. I could preach so long on this. If you are in a grocery line and you look up, <laughs> anybody ever complain at Walmart that there's more people and not enough cashiers to take care of you? You guys ever have this problem? Okay, so that's frustrating for us because we're waiting in line. And, of course, you get behind the line of the lady that has, like, you know, 52 million things in her car, and you're like, oh, man. You know. But here, think for a second. How do you think the person behind the till feels dealing with hundreds of frustrated people every day. 
You know, because here's the lady behind the counter, the cashier. Well, if they just had more cashiers. And people are barking and they're being mean to each other and all this stuff. And she's just sitting there with all this negativity poured on her all day. What if we showed up at the line and did a couple of things, like maybe bought groceries for the person in front of us or behind us, right? And what if we looked at the lady behind the thing and said, listen, you know what? You're doing an awesome job. I love your smile, or I love the way you interact with people. I just want you to know you're being amazing. And if you want to take it one step further, go to the manager and say, hey, you know that cashier I just had on aisle, whatever? She's doing a fantastic job, and I want you to know she deserves a raise. (laughs) You see what I'm saying? Kingdom, kingdom, kingdom. If we take the kingdom with us everywhere we go, we begin to change lives. How is that lady behind the till going to feel if you did that to her? It will cover over a multitude of grumpy customers, right? Yeah, it is. It's a kingdom. So the verse that we've been using quite a bit here uh, this, this, as we've gotten into this kingdom generosity, of course, is in 2 Corinthians 9. I'm not going to read the whole passage, but just verse in 10, verse uh, 10 and 11, if you want to go there. 2 Corinthians 9, verse 10 and 11. And it says this, Now he, speaking of God, who supplies seed to the sower and bread for food. Everybody, at your table, reach forward and touch the jar with the seed in it. Just put your hand right on it. Now, seed. Now, these are, let's say these seeds are unedible. Let's just pretend that for a second. These are seeds, like you don't, you don't want to eat these seeds. These are seeds to be planted, okay? So just put your hand on it. Go ahead. And I'm going to read this again. He who supplies seed to the sower, right? Seeds are for sowing. (laughs) They're for planting. They're for throwing away. Not for taking ourselves, but for doing something with. Putting them in the ground. Allowing the the course of nature to take place in them, right? Supply seed to the sower and bread for food. Now, let the seed go for a second and tear off a piece of bread. Just go ahead. Is it good? Does it smell good today? Oh, that's my favorite. <laughs> All right. If you want to take a bite of food, just break it, hand it to your friend, take a little bite. What? Bread is for what? Eating. <laughs> right? Seed for sowing, bread for eating. What does God supply? Both of them. <laughs> that's right. Both of them. God gives you everything you need. He supplies Seed for sowing, that's for giving, not for keeping, but for giving away, and bread for eating. He provides and supplies both of them, right? If we keep that in, in context and we do the, the, the faithful thing with it, in other words, I eat what he gives me, I eat the bread, all the blessings, you know, and I give away what I'm supposed to give away, he says, listen, if you'll do that, he says, he will supply and increase your store of seed and will enlarge the harvest of your righteousness. You will be enriched in every way so that you can be generous on every occasion. Again, I don't want to go back and repeat too much, but the idea of seeds is we sow them into the ground, and these tiny little things that we throw then become whole plants with what? All kind of stuff on it, whether it's apples or oranges or wheat or whatever it happens to be. If I throw it into the ground, it doesn't stay a tiny little seed. It actually blooms into something else, and a harvest, the Bible says, a harvest of righteousness. Everybody put your hand on your heart and say this after me. God wants to bless me. He wants me to be blessed. He wants me to have abundance. He wants me to have favor. 
He wants to give me much more than I think he does. Because <laughs> here's the thing. As Christians, sometimes we think, oh, you know, just this little bit. How many of you have ever heard the phrase that God supplies, God wants to supply our needs, not our wants? Have you ever heard this phrase? Have you ever heard this noise? <laughs> like if, if there's a wrong answer on a game show, they go, that makes sense. Well, let me just tell you, that's the wrong answer. Because God wants to supply your needs, and he wants to supply you with favor and blessing. Do you realize that when God blessed Israel back in the days with King Solomon, I don't know if you ever read this, but if you, if you ever read this part, in King Solomon's days, God blessed Israel. David was faithful, and he did a good job, and he passed it over to his son Solomon. Do you realize that in Solomon's day, they were so wealthy and there was so much abundance that they literally had piles of silver in the street that nobody cared about because silver really wasn't that great. They had so much gold and everything else. Could you imagine having so much? Like if we just had piles of money sitting around the building, like hey, we, we have too much. We don't know where to put it. We don't have enough place to put it, right? I want to tell you, God wants to give you infinitely above and beyond all that what we can think or imagine. It's time to stop living as paupers with a poverty spirit. Oh, God, well, just give me a little bit. Like, I, I did it again this week. I, I, I forgot to do what I wanted to do. I am going to make a note. Jordy, help me with this. Next Sunday, when we put bread on your table, we're going to put butter and jelly there as well. <laughs> all right? Bam. It's her idea. It's all her. I'm not doing it. But I am saying this. You know what? God just doesn't want to give you bread he wants to give you ham and cheese and jelly and mayonnaise and mustard and tomatoes and lettuce, <laughs> peanut butter and jelly. Like, like it's not just enough. God isn't a just enough guy. God, when he gave, what did he do? He gave his best. He gave Jesus to us, right? Man, that should tell you something about his heart. Let's stop living like paupers or orphans or those with a poverty spirit. Let's start living as princes and princesses because if he's the king what does that make me i'm a son of god uh, well that's the queen over there <laughs> but it makes us princes and princesses of the most high god we're royalty folks do you think royalty are going well i just want a little piece of bread that's all i need no, you get peanut butter, you get jelly, you get ham and cheese. Well, we'll do peanut butter and jelly maybe, but you can bring the ham and cheese on your own, so we'll see. How. Here's what I want you to do. I want you to take about five minutes, no more. And in your group, if you've got a small table, if you want to, maybe you guys could go together, maybe these two here. If you have a small table, maybe join with another one. But here's what I want you to do. Just take five minutes, and I want you to share um, some things that God has been showing you in the area of kingdom generosity and giving. In other words, I want you to... We've been listening to these teachings for three weeks now. This is the fourth week. And maybe you've been listening to a radio thing. I love John and I sometimes will talk and he'll say, you know what? The same thing you're preaching, I heard this other preacher on the radio talking, blah, blah, blah. And how often it is that when God is dealing with us about something, he, he'll allow us to listen and hear things from other places too. So maybe it's from another place. But I want you to take just about, maybe let's do three or four minutes actually, and just say, like, what is it that God has been showing me Show yourself in the area of kingdom generosity. What are some things that maybe God is stirring in me? It doesn't have to be huge, profound revelation, but it's real for you. Okay? Can you do that? Let's take about three, four minutes. Ready, set, go.
Okay, one more minute. One minute. No more. Okay. All right. So raise your hand if you feel like God has been showing you some things in the area of generosity. Just go ahead and raise your hand. Could be big, could be little, but you feel like God is showing you some things. All right. It's the most important thing that we keep learning, that we keep having more revelation in things. You know, I love, uh, there's two kinds of, uh, I'm not going to offend anybody here, but there's two kinds of old people, isn't there? <laughs> Male and female. No, there's two other kind of. There's two other kind of people. Have you have you noticed? There's some old people. There's some old people that are just crawling across the finish line, you know, and they're barely making it, you know, and they, they everything hurts and everything's painful and everything. You, they're holding on to their money and they're just, you know, they're kind of a a curmudgeon, <laughs> if you will. You know, they're just kind of, oh, I can't wait for Jesus to come back or take me to heaven, you know, kind of thing. And, and then you have, no offense here, John, but then you got guys like John over here. Like, like John, like, he's got a couple years on him, right? But he is, he's not willing to just finish poorly or finish on a thing. Man, he's going, man, I'm going to the finish line, and he's in a Ferrari or whatever. You know, he's driving. And not a Ferrari. What do you call that purple thing? Okay, 38 Ford. Have you seen this car? This thing is unbelievable. You need to drive it to church next Sunday so we can all see it, okay? This thing is unbelievable. He's done a restore job. It's got a massive engine. It's got all kind of bells and whistles and toys. Like, this is a guy that, that loves life, and he's not willing to just crawl to the finish line. See, here's the thing. It's all a mindset, isn't it? How am I going to live my life? The more that I give, and the more generous I am, and the more loving I am, and the more hopeful and thankful I am, guess what? It perpetuates itself. I become more of that which I just chose to do. I, I preached a sermon one time called, The Choice I Make Makes Me. The choice I make makes me. If I want to choose to love, guess what? The more I love, the greater lover I become. The more I give, the greater giver, the bigger my heart becomes. The more I do something, the more I, I make the choice for something, that is what I become. You know, I want to encourage you, if you're along in years, don't give in to it. Okay, maybe our knees hurt and hips and different things, but what if we just declare health and wholeness instead of whine, complaining and whining about the things that are supposed realities in our life, right? That kind of goes for all of us, though, because I know 20-year-olds that if I didn't know better, they were 75 or 80. They act, they whine, they complain. Oh, this wrong. Oh, this thing. Oh, my word, stop it. <laughs> Let's just be truthful. There are problems we all have. There are things we all face. But if we declare the truth of who God thinks and who I want to become, if I declare that, that really becomes my reality. It's a whole other sermon. I'm going to move on. <laughs> 
Four things I want to give you today. Kingdom generosity, number one, is a choice. Kingdom generosity is a choice. The choice I make makes me. The last several weeks I've thrown up this quote from Joel Osteen, right? It said, the seed must lead, right? If I throw the seed out, harvest will come. That's just how it works. But if I choose not to throw out seed, guess what? No harvest. If I don't plant anything, I don't get a harvest. The seed must lead. The choice must be made to sow things into the ground, right? I also read a quote this week that said this, if it's not meeting a need, use it as seed. So here's a challenge. How many of you have at least 25 to 50 articles of clothing in your closet you haven't worn for at least a year? Raise your hand. Give it away. Give it away. If you've got stuff crammed in your kitchen cabinets, like pancake makers and waffle things and super-duper little things, if you haven't used it in a year, give it away. Give it away. Don't be a pack rat, right? A hoarder. Give it away. If, if it, you know, lead with it. If it's not meeting a need, use it as seed. That's just a little bonus there, all right? Ecclesiastes 11.1 1 is a familiar verse for many people. It says this, cast your bread, and the Hebrew word there, bread, actually uh, can, it's a dual meaning seed, okay? So cast your seed upon the waters, for after many days you will find it again, right? Cast your bread on the water, and it will return, okay? <laughs> Pretty simple stuff, isn't it? In order for you to get a return, you have to cast it on the water first. And here's the picture. This is interesting. The picture here is, um, it's possible, this picture in this verse is actually talking about uh, in, in Egypt, in the, in the Nile River Delta, every year the Nile River, it's this huge river, it, it actually floods and it goes wa- really wide and it covers this huge area of flooding this whole delta at the, at the front of Egypt. And what they would do is they would take their seeds at floodwaters and they would throw all their seed out all in the floodplains. They would go around and just cast all this seed all over the water. I mean, we're talking miles and miles and literally hundreds of miles. And they would throw seed everywhere. And then, of course, it's the desert. So after the flood season is done, the waters would go back down. And what would happen to the seed? It would go into the soil and begin to grow. And so a lot of people think this is actually a verse that describes that. If you throw your seed on the water, it goes in, plants. After a little while, you step back, and what happens? Everything starts growing. Everything starts coming up, and then you reap the harvest of that. Folks, I want to give you just to every one of these four things today is, a, is an opportunity for you. Nobody's going to make you tithe. You know what? The Bible says... Bring your tithe. Matt, the, the Italian prophet, as uh, Bill Johnson would say, Malachi, Malachi. <laughs> Malachi 3.10, we talked a little bit about it last week. I'm just going to briefly mention it again. It says, if you bring the whole tithe into the storehouse so that there may be food in my house. And test me now in this, says the Lord of hosts, Lord of hosts, if I will not open for you the windows of heaven and pour out for you a blessing until it overflows. We love the blessing. Anybody here want a blessing? Nobody? Me and Jerry? Okay, JR, good. <laughs> Anybody else want a blessing? Just raise your hand. We love blessing. Blessing is so fun. <laughs> I love receiving, and it's all good. But here's the thing. It's an if-then deal. 
If I will bring my tithe into the storehouse, which is the church or the temple in those days, the church, if I will bring it where it belongs, 10% of my income, if I, will, if I choose to do that, then God says, listen, it's a, it's a guarantee. It's a God guarantee that he says, listen, if you will do this natural thing, then I will bring the supernatural. When he talks about opening the windows of heaven, I mean, folks, we're talking about a big thing here, Right? In fact, if you read that whole passage, and we won't do it today, but if you read that whole section all around there, he says, if you'll do this and obey me, I'm going to open the windows of heaven. He says, those, those locusts and those things that will eat your crops, he says, it's not going to happen to your crop. There's good things that are going to happen to your normal stuff. And then even so much so that by the end of the, this little passage, he says that other nations are going to notice you and you're going to have favor with the nations. Like this thing isn't just going to be a tiny thing. God wants to bless us with our finances, with our health, with revival, with, with, with hearing his voice, with favor, all these things. And yet it's a choice. Am I going to choose to do that or am I going to eat my seed? Number two, kingdom generosity then, as we just mentioned, is supernatural. It's supernatural. It's not a normal thing. When God's love comes into our heart, we begin to do and act and say things that are just, just different, right? And God says, listen, if you take your natural choice, I'm going to put my supernatural with it, and you're not going to believe what's going to happen. So uh, Luke 6.38 in the Passion Translation. Uh, if you want to look on the screen, we'll throw it up there. Luke 6.38 in, in, the, in the Passion Translation says this. In fact, forget it. Let's read it together. Look at the screen. Let's read this together, shall we? Give generously, and generous gifts will be given back to you, shaken down to make room for more. Abundant gifts will pour out upon you with such an overflowing measure that it will run over the top. Your measurement of generosity becomes the measurement of your return. Now, some people get mad at the preacher when he preaches certain things. But I'm telling you, I didn't write that. <laughs> it didn't come from me. That came from God. And he says, listen, if you'll make the choice to give and be givers, I'm, then I will do my part. In other words, if you'll do your part, God says, I'll do my part. And the measure that you sow your seed is the measure of your return. That makes sense. That's almost like basic math, isn't it? If I throw 10 seeds out, I get 10 plants and 10 harvests, right? But if I throw 100 seeds out there, then I have 100 times the harvest. And, it, you know, the, the, the issue of multiplication is it, it exponentially increases, so we get this. So how much ever I give, that's the measure of my return, abundant. <laughs> you guys know who Leonard Nimoy is? Yeah, Star Trek guy, yeah, yeah. Live long and perspire. Yeah, that guy. Uh, he said this. He said, the miracle is this. The more we share, the more we have. And I thought, even Spock gets it. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> like, even Spock understands that if we give more, we get more. And, I don't know, I'm kind of a Star Trek guy, so I need to leave that one there. But this idea is not a human thing. It's actually a God thing. God says, listen, I have created this scenario to bless you. And I want to be blessed. Not so much that I get to stuff, but I get to be generous then in return. Um, number three, kingdom generosity is ridiculous. It is. 
I, I can, I, if we took half an hour now, I could get testimonies from so many of you that God, at one point or another in your life, has asked you or highlighted for you to give in a ridiculous way. Right? How many of you would just raise your hand and say, God has asked me to give in a crazy, ridiculous way at least once in my life? Go ahead and raise your hand. Now, I can almost 100% guarantee you that for those of you that have done that and been obedient, it's scary and it's a risk, but how many of you would say, that felt so good? It felt so good to bless the other person or felt so good from God just giving me a peace about the thing? How many of you would raise your hand and say, it really felt good when you did that? All right, almost all the same hands I can see. A teacher asked one of her students, Vinny. She said, Vinny, if you had one dollar and you asked your father for another, how many dollars would you have? Vinny raised his hand and answered, one dollar. Teacher shook her head, "Um, you don't know math, Vinny. Vinny replied, you don't know my father. (laughs) (laughs) I thought about it. I read that the other day, and I thought, you know, that is the exact opposite of my father. Well, my earthly father, too, but my heavenly father. You know what? The Bible says if I ask him for bread, he's not going to give me a stone, right? See, God doesn't want to hold back from you. He actually wants to bless you. He, wants you. he wants to fill you with his goodness. And he says, listen, how this works is if you will be generous and you will pray for provision, I'll provide for you. And I will give you not only the bread that you need to survive and to be blessed, but also the seed to be planted into yours and peoples around you. And I'm telling you that when God so loved the world that he gave his son, that was ridiculous giving. I, the, in the wedding yesterday, and I had this thought, that's ridiculous giving. Like it, for God, eternal, all time, no beginning, no end, God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit have been together forever. There's no beginning. And he's the creator of the universe. He created everything in six days just by speaking a few words. I mean, unbelievable. And yet, when it comes to the salvation of mankind, I mean, he could have done it anyway. He wanted to, and we'd have been thankful for it, right? But he didn't do that. He gave his only son. That is crazy, ridiculous love right there. That is crazy, ridiculous giving. And I love the fact that he sets the example for us, right? So we don't have uh, time for all of these stories today. There's, there's three of them. I want to give you some verses. If you're taking notes, just jot these down. Luke chapter 7, verse 36. All right? We're gonna, I'm going to read that one. It's about the woman with the alabaster jar. Some of you know the story where Jesus was in a home and this... Um, sinful woman, the Bible calls her, probably a prostitute is what we we gather from that. But she had run into the love of Jesus. (laughs) I mean, you know that no matter where you're coming from, if you run into the love of Jesus, it changes you. So this woman had run into Jesus. And it says in verse 36, when one of the Pharisees, the religious leaders and teachers, invited Jesus to have dinner with him, Jesus went to the Pharisee's house and reclined at the table. A woman in that town who lived a sinful life learned that Jesus was eating at the Pharisee's house, so she came there with an alabaster jar of perfume. Now just hold it there for one second. This whole society 
is a religious society. So the Pharisees and the Sadducees, these were the people that ruled all of Israel's life. I mean, we're talking about, some of you have a Catholic background, and that's maybe a little more similar to what we're talking about. You know, the priest. Let's say you had a priest and his precinct or whatever you call his area. And let's say it's a big one, and let's say it's a wealthy one, and this priest has a huge church, and he's, he's really a big shot in the town, right? And all of a sudden, a woman who has been touched by Jesus, she doesn't even wait to be asked. She just barges right into the Pharisee's house. She heard Jesus was there. She's so impacted and so transformed and so overwhelmed that she can't not bust into somebody else's house. So could you imagine? Let's just say a person was poor. They don't have a lot of clothes. Maybe they're, they're, they're really, you know, I don't know, a drug addict or a prostitute or something like that, and they bust into one of the mansions in Lake Villa or something or some huge mansion, some really rich, hoity-toity kind of place, right? I'm thinking, man, a lot of audacity on her part. But here's the thing. God had so touched her and had so changed her heart. She busts in, and she has this perfume. Now, the, the perfume that we're talking about here, most commentaries will, will tell you that it was an expensive nard, you know. It was this expensive perfume. And she's so overwhelmed by the love that's been shown her, that has been given to her, that her first thing is to give, give it back. She takes this very expensive thing. A couple of the other chapters that we read about, it's a different story, but it's the same idea. Matthew 26 and Mark 14, if you want to look those up. It's another time where the same scenario happens, only in this first one, in Luke, verse 38, the woman pours the perfume on Jesus' feet, and she's weeping, and she's cleaning his feet with her hair. Wow. I mean, that's, I don't know about you, but that, I've never done that. (laughs) In these other verses in Matthew 26 and in Mark uh, chapter 14, we find that Jesus, right before his crucifixion, uh, the woman comes in and another woman does the same thing. Only she pours it on his head and anoints him. Folks, I'm telling you, when God speaks to us about giving, many times it's going to be ridiculous. And here's the other thing. Our people around you aren't going to get it. Have you ever had that happen? Where you do something that God tells you to do and somebody else finds out about it and goes, what are you doing that for? I mean, I've had people say this about tithing. What are you, you're giving away 10% to the church? What are you doing that for? You know, that's ridiculous. That's crazy. You're short on bills, but you're giving money to the church? That's, that's stupid, right? Hey, you got this bit of money and this little nest egg or something, that, and God says give it to this other person? That's stupid. That's ridiculous. And yet we see this three times in Scripture. A woman with not very much brings an expensive thing. And in the other chapters, in the other verses, you know who's complaining about it? Are the church people. The disciples are going, oh, she shouldn't have poured that out on him. And, and it, you know, that, that's a year's wages worth of thing. Could you imagine? God asks the woman and challenges her heart, and let's just say $50,000 is an average salary. $50,000 of perfume she pours on his feet. How many think that's a big gift? How many think that's ridiculous? And yet God doesn't think like we think, right? We've talked about it before. God's kingdom is a kingdom upside down. In fact, last verse today, the fourth thing I want to say is that kingdom generosity is purposeful. It doesn't make sense half the time. 
In fact, if it makes sense, it's probably not God. Because God is always challenging our preconceived notions, isn't he? So Isaiah 55, last verse today. Isaiah 55, verse 8, says this. And this is God speaking through the prophet. He says, God says, For my thoughts are not your thoughts, nor are your ways my ways, declares the Lord. So he kind of sets it right up there, doesn't he? How you think and how I think, they're not the same. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. For as the rain and the snow come down from heaven and do not return there without watering the earth and making it bare and sprout and furnishing seed to the sower and bread to the eater. Well, that sounds familiar, doesn't it? Even the prophet Isaiah through the word of God is saying, he's providing seed to the sower and bread to the eater. So, my, so will my word by which goes forth from my mouth, it will not return to me empty without accomplishing what I desire and without succeeding in the matter for which I sent. Can I propose to you this morning that when God asks you to give, first your tithe, then offerings, and then to other people and whatever else, when he does that, it's purposeful. It has a reason. It may not be your reasoning, but it's his reasoning. God has a plan. Can you turn to the person next to you and just say that? God has a plan. And it's not a lousy plan. It's a really good plan, right? It's good and purposeful. He says, listen, your ways are not my ways, but here's the thing. I've got a plan. Many of you have heard that funny phrase, you want to you make, make God laugh? Just tell him your plans. <laughs> right? I don't know that God's as concerned about our plans as he is us fulfilling and living out his plans. Amen? God knows what he's doing. He's large and in charge. Amen? Why don't you stand to your feet with me this morning? And uh, we want to give you opportunity, again, we've been doing this through this four-week series, to, to sow seed and to give. And I love the fact that 